0: There's a new director of the Flint Hills Breadbasket of Manhattan. Her name is Carla Hagemeister, and she joins us today on Philanthropy Today. Carla, thank you for being part of
1: our show. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, I remember when you posted the announcement on Facebook, because we follow each other and, you know, communicate through Facebook every once in a while, and it's just like, wow, that's a big step from coming from the county attorney's office.
1: I thought so, too. It was a big surprise, I think, to the community, and in some ways, even a surprise to myself. How did the job come about for you? Um, I had learned through the grapevine that the former executive director, Mary Beth Kiefer, was retiring. And she did a terrific job. She did. She did a great job of um, navigating a number of years at the breadbasket. She joined us in 2011, and so that retirement was well-earned, and she... um, took us through a a long time and served very well Um, but it was her time to retire she was ready for that next step and so once the word came out that that she was retiring I had a couple people reach out and just plant the seed and I think that that's one of the most effective ways I to to find people is to plant seeds in them Um, so that started to to ponder and then I had a couple other people say hey is have you we're looking for somebody is is there somebody that you would recommend and the more I heard that the more it started to resonate why not me why why not have this opportunity and have an opportunity to do something different and um, continue to serve our community in a but in a different way
0: you worked in the county attorney's office for a long time.
1: I did. I came to the county attorney's office in August of 1999. I was a K-State graduate. I graduated in 1997 and went to the SRS, it's now DCF, but SRS office in Junction City and worked there for two years. And in much the same way, I had... um, a friend who told me that there was an opening at the riley county attorney's office for a victim witness coordinator and she thought that i would be a good fit for that position and so i wasn't looking at the time that 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 job became available to me and it just sounded like an interesting fit and a neat experience and so i applied for that and was able to um join the county attorney's office in 99 and stayed there for 22 and a half years that's a long time. It is a very long time. You had a
0: few different county attorneys in that span.
1: I a had a couple, two. I I joined the team under Bill Kennedy. Uh-huh. He was the county attorney, county attorney when I was hired, and then Barry Wilkerson came on board after that, and I worked through through Barry.
0: Yeah, and of course, you know Bill Kennedy. He's a big supporter of the Flint Hills Breadbasket.
1: He absolutely is. Bill yeah. Kennedy is the one of the hearts of the Super Bowl. And he was maybe, he, he was in the top five people to find out that I had um, been hired for the position. Um, he was one of the first people that my husband said, you have to call Bill.
0: Was he on your resume?
1: He was not on my resume. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a good question. He was not on my resume, but we've kept in touch over the years. And anytime there's been something big or important in my life, I've kind of walked into the day knowing that my phone is going to ring and it will be Bill on the other end of the line with a big wow or um, voice of encouragement. So it was really fun to make that phone call and give him that surprise. Well, you've
0: worked in a number of different arenas. You also are a school board member for USD 383. Did you just go on for your second term? Yes. Is that right?
1: I just came on for a second term. I ran the first time in 2017 and um, ran again in the last election cycle, so in 2021, and am on the first year of another four-year cycle and glad to be there.
0: Did that experience enlighten you a little bit on hunger uh, with uh, with the school age kids.
1: Yes, I would say that all of the things that I've done in my personal and professional world have come together to form what I would think of as a really rich tapestry. To understand the Manhattan community. Um, Obviously, in my day job at the county attorney's office, um, working with victims of crime, working with people that have experienced hardship, we knew of the needs in the community, and I could see that. But flipping it over and being on the school board and really having an understanding of what kids are experiencing when they're coming to school... And what um, stands in the way of barriers for them to be able to be in a position where they're ready to learn every day was a very real awakening Um, to know that, that there are students every day who need a place to shower, who need a place for basic food who come and their meals are provided they need basic hygiene they perhaps have not had a stable place to sleep they might be coming to school physically just tired and that before any of the learning can happen all of those basic needs have to be met and that our teachers our administrators our school staff across the board all see that need and are working to address it but at the same time, their primary mission is education. And so all of those things have to happen before learning can happen. And, and I just knew of it, but you have a new appreciation and a new um, understanding of the depth of the issue when you have that position on a school board.
0: As a victim witness coordinator and also as a school board member, I suppose those uh, two backgrounds weighed in on you when you thought about becoming or applying for the director position at the breadbasket?
1: Absolutely. I think um, I saw myself as being a person who had a good understanding of the needs in our community and had... um, At the county attorney's office, I used to talk about the fact that that people came to me after something bad had happened. By the time they were at the county attorney's office, something bad had already happened that they didn't have control of. And so part of my role there was to help them navigate that system, understand what's going on, and maybe be able to um, have some control taken back or have their role understood and At the breadbasket, I saw it much more as an opportunity to really directly impact needs. I didn't have any control over the criminal justice system. That's... That's not Not my role. That's right, and that was just the nature of that job. Um, My role was to make people's experience within the system as sensitive as I could and help them navigate it. I didn't have any control over it, but I felt like my coming to the breadbasket would be an opportunity for me to actually be able to implement policies and programs that would directly impact people and have an immediate. improvement, hopefully, in their lives.
0: We're visiting with Carla Hagemeister, who is now the director of the Flint Hills Breadbasket of Manhattan. You have an event coming up, and uh, it's important to acknowledge that with the Flint Hills Breadbasket, you're a nonprofit agency. Fundraising is a key aspect of, of your job. Absolutely. And you have several different things that you do on a regular basis. I know you participate and have done well with through Grow Green Match Day, which we just had, and all kinds of other things. Let's talk about the Take a Swing at Hunger Golf Tournament.
1: Yes, that is our annual golf tournament. It is a major fundraiser for the breadbasket held every spring. This is our twenty-seventh year for the golf fundraiser, which is exciting to have something that is that has that sort of longevity in the community. Um, It is May 2nd at Colbert Hills Golf Club this year. I'm excited to be part of it, but I also have to be very transparent. That's one of the things that's important to me and say, this is my first golf tournament. So I'm very excited to see how it goes. First
0: golf tournament as an organization or first golf tournament as a player?
1: I am not playing, first of all. (laughs) Second of all, the last time I picked up a golf club, and I told my committee this the first time I met them, the last time I picked up a golf club was when I was in high school and it was in PE class and I'm pretty certain that we were inside the gymnasium golf has not been part of the fabric didn't of inspire my life. you to go
0: further in the game huh? other
1: i have engaged in many other activities um, but golf was not one of them so this is my first time to organize the event and also it will be my first time to spend more than 20 minutes out on the golf course so i'm excited for this for a multitude of reasons and i will be excited for the day and i will take a Deep sigh or a deep breath when it's all done, and and we can look at what we did this year and and plan for the next successful event.
0: You know, fundraising in the nonprofit world is is a continuing effort, and it's neat when we have these types of events because it 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 not only allows for you know some people to have a lot of fun, maybe win some prizes, but they also get to learn more about the organization that they're helping to support and being able to communicate that message. Through a fundraising event like that Is very, very helpful
1: Absolutely I think the main thing to keep in mind Out of any sort of fundraiser You want an event that's fun Or engaging Or connects with people But in essence The real heart of any sort of fundraiser Or activity that you're having with the community Is in building relationships It's in connecting people with your organization, what you do, why you do it, why it's important, and why they should care about it. And so I look at this opportunity, you know, to have some laughs at myself in regards to knowing nothing about golf, but also... um, really having an opportunity to meet with and um, spend some time with people in our community who have supported the breadbasket, let them have a great afternoon of golf and um, different activities, and thank them and connect them with us. But really, it's about building the relationships.
0: You know, throughout the year, you have so many different efforts. You know, we talked earlier about um, Super Bowl, S-O-U-P-E-R. Bowl Sunday, which I remember, Bill, Bill Kennedy came up and visited with me because they'd had something similar over in Saline, and Harry Watts was part of that discussion as well. And it's just like, bang! Hey, let's let's make this a lot of fun. And gosh, that's like thirty years now.
1: It is. It's a long time um, event that is put on. I would say really um, spearheaded by Bill Kennedy, Kevin Roberts, and Dave Eckert, all from St. Thomas More. Mm-hmm. Um, parish and something that they've really taken on and championed on behalf of the breadbasket and i don't really remember a time in manhattan without the super bowl i feel like it's just part of who we are Mm -hmm. It, it our kids grew up knowing about it and it's just one of those sort of funny things that that there is a generation of people who just know that manhattan's going to do the super bowl and it's neat how the churches are
0: involved. There are so many organizations that help out, and of course, you know you got grocery stores that that help out with that as well. But I think one of the fun things is you know football games, cats for cans. Yes. You know, with the with some of the student athletes going out and pushing around carts and saying, "Hey, let's help out the bread basket." That's a, that that takes a lot of coordination there.
1: It does, and we've really been fortunate to have the support of the Student Athletic Advisory Committee, or the SAC, out at K-State that, again, have made that happen. It's about relationships. It's not about um, any one person at the breadbasket making those things happen. It's about connecting with the different organizations within our community, helping them understand why it's important to care about it, and then letting them do their thing. And those students do a great day and take on that collection, the collection of food in the parking lot, the solicitation of funds that day. It was really exciting for me before I even officially came on board as the director. I got to go to a K-State basketball game to accept the check for that um, event that happened. It happened in October, but they did the award or recognition of it at a K-State basketball game. and It was just exciting to know that, again, we have the support of people in our community.
0: Then of course you got the holidays, which that's a whole different creature with uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners and the, the things that you pack with that. Do you have some ideas, goals that you'd like to implement in the future?
1: I do, um, not necessarily. I not necessarily with the holiday uh, parade or holiday events at this time because I haven't made it that far. Okay, I'm looking at the summer right now. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at some possibilities for. Um, Again, looking at our direct service, right now we have pantry hours that serve people during the daytime, and in reality, I know that there's parts of our community that cannot make it someplace during the day because of when they're working or when they have access to transportation. So again, looking at ways that we can broaden our impact in the community, but do it in a way that's scalable and isn't... um, Rushing out the gate too fast. So the first Tuesday in June, we plan to open and have evening hours except available for um, members of our community to come and and get food from our food pantry. Um, that's not something that's been always available and something that we see as a need and we want to try out so we're going to spend the month of May letting our guests know that that's something that will become available to them um, soliciting and gathering up the volunteer force to make sure that we are equipped and prepared for um, different people coming and then to work on having that rollout be successful so that's our first end that would be more Um, directed towards our guests a second thing that I'm planning on for the summer months is increasing the amount of fresh produce that we have available for our guests I'm just in the initial stages of this so it it looks very green very new, mm-hmm. um, but reaching out to some of our local farms, local food producers, our local farmers market, and community finding- gardens,
0: lo- I think, uh, help out a lot, too.
1: Our community gardens, they certainly bring, and we get donations from people who are working in their gardens and have maybe an abundance of something, but I'm also looking at making it more of a- of a well-defined relationship. Right now, our fresh produce that we're able to bring in comes from our grocery stores that are moving stock through, and it comes through donations. But we don't necessarily purchase any sort of fresh produce that is made available for our guests. So when I think about ways that we're all trying to eat healthier and live healthier lives, one of the things that we know um, is that A healthy diet consists of the foods that are on the periphery of the grocery store. They're the fresh produce, dairy, meat, um, those sorts of items. And those are items that are harder to come by when you are living in a position of food insecurity. Um, It is much it's much easier to store shelf-stable food. It's easier for us to stock that and supply that and provide that because we can store it safely. We know it's going to be good for a longer time period, and that benefits us in how we're storing it, and it also benefits, obviously, the people who need to use that food. But at the same time, that means we're offering food to them that is not always going to be the best for them for their health. And so, we know, again, as people of a certain age, that that uh, time is not always our friend, and that all of those chronic health conditions... Funny
0: you should speak about that. <laughs> yeah,
1: all those chronic health conditions, all of those things where your doctor tells you diet and exercise, diet and exercise, well, that's the human condition. That's not not the human condition of a person who has ample financial resources. That's just the human condition. And so I'm looking into ways that we can broaden our scope and offer more fresh foods to people so that they have that as an option for them as well.
0: That'd be most welcome, I'm sure. Yes. You also have a need for staples. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. There's always going to a need, be a need for staples. There's always going to be that need for, that, for food that you can go to the cabinet, you know it's there. Um, but again, it's, it's a matter of having a balance of both of those things.
0: Okay. Well, there's also always a need for volunteers. Yes, And I know that that's a, a key factor of any nonprofit organization. And through the breadbasket, especially with, uh, you know, starting up uh, here in June, when you have some additional hours open up in the evenings, that's going to, you know, bring about more need for for f- people to help out.
1: It is. One of my favorite parts of getting initiated or onboarded at the breadbasket so far has been meeting all of the volunteers. And it's been exciting and fun to see the number of people who are I already knew, but from a different different hat. Um, folks that have come through the door, and I hear their voice, and I think, "Oh, I know that person." And I pop my head out, and sure enough, it's so and so from church, or um, my son's. There was a, a my son's high school counselor is a volunteer there, so it's been neat to see different people that I didn't necessarily realize were volunteers at the breadbasket. We have a really steady. Definite core of volunteers who are dependable and take care of business. Like you wouldn't believe, they know what they're doing, and they come in and they get to it. They are, again, generally speaking, more of a retiree age at this point, and so um, we have a really great, stellar morning force who likes to come in and and get things done. And. I will be working on looking at ways to bring in some volunteers maybe that aren't able to come during the working day during that eight to five time period, but maybe could come once or twice a month in an evening to, to be in connection with that. And I've fielded quite a few phone calls in that regards already of people who want to become involved, but for whatever reason, the hours don't work or are looking at ways that they can get involved. That's again, it's, a blessing of abundance or the problem of abundance when you get phone calls a couple times, three times a week for people looking for ways to connect with you and volunteer. and That's a
0: nice problem to have.
1: It's a very nice problem to have. I will take that problem any day of the week and I, will, I am finding lots of good things for people to do. We've managed to bring in... Two sororities so far to do community service. Um, one did a lot of painting, and I had another come in yesterday, and I had them all divvied up doing all kinds of stuff. And then I have a fraternity that's coming on Sunday of this week to do some more paintings. So there's always something to be done. It's just a matter of putting your mind to what's the best way to make use of that group of people and make sure that they have a positive experience doing it.
0: Your website at flinthillsbreadbasket.org has a lot of connectivity possibilities for people whether they want to to find out more about the services that you provide, uh, the opportunity to to help fund some opportunities, volunteer, and of course your take a swing at hunger golf tournament too.
1: That's right. We have a calendar of events that is going on that highlights everything that we do throughout the years. The year, all of our major events are noted there. Um, obviously, there's multiple places where you can hit that donate button and support us financially, but also where you can get information about volunteering. And that is something that no matter how people want to connect with us, we want to make that happen. We want to be in a situation where even if you're not in a financial situation to support us, whether it's sharing the website sharing our services with your neighbor or somebody who you think would benefit from it, word of mouth, talking about us, coming in and volunteering, we're just glad to have you here with us.
0: Well, Carla Hagenmeister, it's been a delight to have you on Philanthropy Today. Uh, Learned a lot more about the breadbasket and got to know you a little bit better too. And I know that uh, members of the community uh, are very appreciative of your work, you know, in Gosh, you've served the community in a lot of different ways, and here's a new a new gig for you.
1: It is a new gig. I've enjoyed this conversation, and I started at the beginning of March, and I don't know that I've slowed down much yet, but I also haven't quit smiling yet. So it's been a delight, and I'm really looking forward to what goes forward. Looking forward to
0: having a return visit.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Keep up with philanthropy today by following or subscribing to our podcast on your favorite apps. To learn more about the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation, visit our website at mcfks.org. Philanthropy Today is produced by at Astracast. Follow us online at Astracast.com.